It's the Capital City Podcast. I'm your host, Capital J, alongside my main man, DL Glass. And this week, we're talking to a super producer. It's in, producer. It's in his name. Yeah. His name is Van X, the super producer. And we're going to be chit-chatting with him because um, this is a cat that I've known for a long time, uh, rocking in and around the streets of North Carolina as a DJ. But around here lately, my man's been dropping music. Mm. He's also a producer. And like we try to do all the time, we try to educate you because I know a lot of y'all listening are also trying to get in the game. And there's no, there's no blueprint. There's no class for this. But if you tune in here, we're going to show you how to get it done. Without further ado, super producer Van X is on the line right now. Yes, 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 yes. What up, Cap? What's good, man? What up, what up, what up? What's good, what's good? Now, now first, I'm going to, you know, we're going to introduce to the people. We're going to let you tell a little bit of your story first. Now, I know this man from, um, you know, the... The triad area. Okay. Now, we're in the triangle right now. If you're from around North triad. Carolina, you know the triad. Uh-huh. Greensboro, West Salem, High Point. I include Burlington area, all of that. Okay. And, um, you Party know. Party City. Yes, sir. Party City. Right. So, Van X, the whole time I was DJing, Van X was always rocking them parties, too. Okay. You know, we've done some things together. He promoted a few parties, brought me in before, and we worked together. And I known this cat for a long time. So, Van X, first off, Yo. tell him where you're from. I was born in Detroit, Michigan, but I was raised in Burlington, North Carolina. Right, right. Big Bad Burlington, North Carolina, man. Big Bad Burlington. Big Bad. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, um, you know, y'all know how certain everywhere you go, there's a few DJs kind of got things on lock. And, you know, in my opinion, Van X always had that area on lock. You know, when you think, when you think Burlington, you think Van X, as far as the DJ scene went way back, you know, back in the day when we were coming up. Right. Now, um, <clears throat> how long you been doing this, Van X? Oh, man. Mm. Man, I started. Started off right after high school, in high school, actually, you know. But, you know, professionally, first placement uh, in 2005. Hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So, first, so first, before we get into that, how you get into, how you get into music, period? Like, you know, we're going to start with your DJ roots. DJ roots? Uh, well, you know, I... First of all, I come from out the church, man, playing drums, keyboards. Ah. You know, then I, you know, after watching Juice, (laughs) the movie, you know, I'm like, man, the DJ is popping. Right. We got to, we got to, I got to get me some turntables, baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, sir. That's how I started getting into DJing. I started off scratching off my scratching up my mama records on a little uh, belt drive turntable, right? Actually, you know what I mean. Mm. And I, you know, started gathering turntables and went, didn't have the money for the twelve hundred yet, you know. But I started working at a grocery uh, a, 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 um, a store, a, a record store in Burlington, by owned by Mister Crow. 
I got a shot, Mr. Crowell. He gave me my job at a record store, and I was able to save up my money, money, and buy one twelve hundred at a time. Mm, right. You know, you know, you know, bought one, and I saved up enough money and bought me another one. You know, some. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a proper credit. First of all, let me explain something. We're talking to this man because he got singles out right now. And he got features with the likes of Fabo from D4L, mm-hmm. DJ Drama, Project Pat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not just talking to somebody that ain't doing nothing here. So I just got to preface everything by saying, yeah. you know, this dude is really in the game. Right. Okay, now back to your story. <laughs> yeah, so it started from there, man. DJing, started DJing parties in Burlington, you know, house parties at the crib for the boys and, and from there on, man, I started like one of my. I started getting drum machines, you know, like karaoke drum, Casio keyboards, stuff like that, and a boss uh, drum machine. I think it was the first drum machine I had. Was it a Doctor Rhythm? I think it was, man. Yeah, I, I think so. I had it probably was that Doctor Rhythm. Jeez, from yeah. there on it was. I remember that. You had one too, huh? Hey, Dr. Rhythm was was, was out there. <laughs> yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I started with a little Casio too with a little sampler on it. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that mm-hmm. was the next best option. You can't get an SP. Casio got something for you. Uh, right. Hey, I got a question. Yeah. Was Mr. Crow the record store owner? Was he white or black? Black. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only one cool. in Burleson during that time, or ever? the only one, only one. Wow! My city you had that thing full of records and and, and um, speakers. He let me use his use his speakers to go DJ parties before I was able to, you know, buy my own. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I got in. Awesome. I actually blew one of his speakers, boy. He tried to tear my head off about that. <laughs> now <laughs> think about it. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's story starts with a benefactor, right? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. so, so what, what, what kind of music is out during this time when you're at the record store? What uh, some of the songs you remember from that time period? Hmm. Probably, uh, like Biggie and first Biggie album. Um, Word. Yeah, like Mob D, um, around that era, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump straight to the meat. Now, <clears throat> I knew you as a DJ all this time period, and then mm-hmm. one day, you know, you popping up with singles, and you got artists, you know, well known artists on these joints, so. I want you to help us understand how do you make this stuff happen? And let's start like let's start from the beginning. What made mm-hmm. you decide to I mean, how did you get your production? I know you started making beats. Well, what, well first of all, let's go from from the the Dr. Rhythm. How did you progress from the Dr. Rhythm to whatever you're using now and tell us about which you know, which devices you're using to create your stuff along the way to where you are now. So I know it went from Casio to Dr. Rhythm yeah. 
What uh, what other things did you learn how to use along the way? Well, one of my homeboys was in the military overseas, and so he he came home one day with a Gemini sampler, and that thing could hold up to about 15 seconds. And it had four buttons on it that you can kind of chop the sound. I remember that little rectangle joint. And it, yes. it had three three small sound banks and one big one. Yes, sir. With a big round yeah. button on it. Yeah. God, well, you, you yeah. hit it right on the nose. Yeah, I, I, no, used to, yeah. I used to use that thing, too, on my mixtapes. So yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. That, this was in the eighties, yeah. right? No, no. This is this is the mid nineties, right here, when Gemini came out with that thing, and it was kind of revolutionary at the time because you could loop stuff, mm-hmm. and you could also switch to other loops if you want to. You know, mm-hmm. only funny thing about it, you had to tap it a little bit before the sample start. <laughs> oh, yeah, <wow>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what I used to do is record my track loop first. And then record it on the tape deck, and then come in later after that and put my samples over it. And that's how I was able to like multi-track stuff like that with that. You know what I mean? Oh yes, I and do. Then and that's when I got caught the vibe of that. You know, I was like, wow. Then people started coming by the career like, yo, play some beats. You know, Tim Street actually, God Supreme, he was one of the first ones that started coming over my crib. You remember you remember God Supreme, right? Oh, come on, man. God Supreme yeah, turned yeah. me on to you. Yeah. So you know? he, come, he come down the house looking like kid and play the light-skinned dude. What's that, play? The uh, big old kid, afro. Kid. Yeah. Kid with the big afro coming down there wanting to rap on my beats. You know, he really gave me inspiration to make me want to keep going. Yeah, but yeah. really now... Th- go back a little farther than that, how I started really DJing is that one day it was a rainy day. I was standing green level and I was looking out my window and I seen a mixer on one of my homeboys on my neighbor's uh, porch and it was raining. And it was it was around a bunch of trash. That's why I know what I'm doing is meant to be is a God blessing what I'm doing. I hadn't been looking out there and seen it. I was like, man, it's raining. This is the mixer. It looked like a mixer sitting in a bunch of trash. So I went out there and grabbed the mixer. I'm like, it must be trash. He don't want it. <laughs> I didn't have a mixer yet. Right. So I got the mixer and plugged, waited a couple of days, let it dry out, and plugged it up, and it worked. Wow. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So. I, from there on, I, I, I use that to scratch and make beats with, and, you know, scratch, scratch, like, you know, not make beats, but scratch and learn how to play with it, you know, hooking up belt drive, different turntables. I might have a Gemini turntable with a, uh, 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 whatever, off-brand turntable, you know. And that's how I really got into DJing. And then when I got that beat machine, I hooked all that up together and started sampling and mixing, blending it all together like that. I actually used to play break beats, and then I think about it and use that Gemini machine to play over the beat, over the break beat, and use my tape deck to record it. Oh, you mean the break beats you could buy at the record store back in the day? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So what was, um, you know, because I know you, you learned this thing. It sounded like a, a lot of the way that I learned it. So mm. what was your next 
What was your next machine? Like coming off the Gemini, what was the next? Because you know that Gemini is not something that had. Um, it didn't have a. a uh, uh, what do you call it? A sequence on it. So, right. what's what's the yeah. next machine that you got to learn how to use the you know the real stuff? Because like all this stuff we talking about costs less than three hundred dollars. Yeah. When right. you get to the thousand to fifteen hundred dollar range, you get sequencing and all that syncopation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, what's the real machine that you really cut your teeth on? SB twelve hundred. Me too. I love that. I still got one, Van. That's that's the mm. one where you said the drug dealer finance for you, right, Cal J? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Ben Davis, did you have any drug dealers in your story? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. wow, baby, yeah. I, <laughs> hey, hey, Van Van Ness, we did a whole show about about just how how that drug money helped finance a lot of us back in the day. We can't afford <laughs> this stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but you know somebody who got it popping and they believe in you, they'll help you get this stuff. You, you want to shout out your mm-hmm. drug dealer? Nah, nah, man. Shout <laughs> nobody out. That was a long time ago, statute of limitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that 1200 actually, you know, of course I didn't have no money for the 1200 but how I got on the 1200 I started coming up with Polo Studio. Obia. Polo. Polo had the 1200 and everything in there. That's when Polo was on Gifford Ave. Right, right, right across the corner, right in the same area as Ultramix Studio. Oh, that one, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, when he was there before he moved off of South End Eugene by UPS. That's what you know. Polo was there first before he moved over there. Oh yeah, I, I got I got footage over there. Yeah, yeah. Video. So I walked footage. in there. I, I walked in there, and the Fowler was in there making beats off twelve hundred. Right. And I I walked up to him and I was like, yo, what is this? Yo, this is twelve hundred and you know, I you know, fanatic them use this and you know, ski and everybody. I like, wow, you know, I like, can you teach can you show me how to use it? You know, he showed me a few things on there and from there I was at the, I was in Greensboro about it. When I was able to get my license, I was in Greensboro every day. Or every other day, up at there learning, learning, you know, booking studio time with Polo. Right, right. It's funny, man. Like you saying every, like you saying a whole lot of stuff that we already talked about. I was talking about how, um, you know, when I first got to Greensboro, Fanatic uh, was the first person to show me anything on the SP. Naborn mm-hmm. uh, helped me make my first beat. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see who else. Mix Master D, of course. Rest his soul. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. All these people instrumental in the area. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so as time passed, I remember the Obia days and the SP and the ADAP machines and all that. So you mm-hmm. learn how to work everything in that studio. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Polo gave me a job there, and I just took there and took it serious. I was, I was stay there all night. I'll be in there until the sun come up. Probably wouldn't lead to twelve o'clock the next day. Polo hmm. would just give me, just give me, the, just, you know, give me the key and lock the door when you leave. You know what I mean? I would yeah. give Polo like seventy five dollars and he let me stay in there all night. Yeah, shout out incredible DJ Polo, man. He did a whole lot for a whole lot of people. Oh yeah, I give Polo hella props, man. You know, I just talked to him yesterday. Sure mm-hmm. enough. I just talked to Fanatic about an hour ago. 
That's what's up. Yeah, get fanatic yeah. on too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so you came up cutting your teeth in Obia Studios, learn how to work the SP. But mm-hmm. at this time, at this time though, you're still kind of like you know house engineer, in house yeah. engineer, pretty much. Yeah. And and I know you you were doing stuff for God Supreme. Yeah, yeah. That's when Polo started the Man Face Record label. And I was able to produce four tracks on the Man Face album. Right. And that really did something to me, man. I felt like I was I could make it. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, I'm up here with the big dogs coming from little small Burlington. And I produced um, like I said, four tracks on there. And the crazy thing about that Mad Face compilation album is that I produced the record on there for Gravy and Red Cafe. Gravy is the guy mm. who played Biggie right. in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Biggie Small movie. But Fendi brought them down here. Mm. And they heard me in there working on the beat. Actually, Fendi heard me in there working on the beat. And he was like, yo, I want that walking there. I want that beat. What's that? I want that. You know mm. what I mean? And um, and he was like, "We're gonna sample Jay Z and put Jay Z in on this uh, on on this one of the songs Jay Z came out with on the uh, uh, Reasonable Doubt album, first album." So I just did whatever. I didn't even know Fendi like that. I didn't know him at all. Word. I just heard his accent. I'm like, he's from somewhere else top. So I know, you know, he had connections. Or, you know, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, what, mid nineties. What Shout was out. Fendi connection? Fendi. To the I, area, I mean. Well, I remember meeting Fendi around 91 in Greensboro. And um, for those of y'all that don't know, Fendi uh, used to have to come up DVDs. Um, he's basically kind of discovered Nicki Minaj. But originally, I knew him as an extension of the Big Daddy Kane fam. Right. So, uh, you know, Fendi, Scoop, Scrap, they were all boys from, I guess, from the same area, I'm assuming. Right. And um, he was always down here, but I don't know why he was in Greensboro. I always wondered that. Yeah, what maybe maybe we'll get him on one day and find out. Right. But, but yeah, he's been a constant fixture mm-hmm. in the area for a long time. Right. You say you met him in 91. 91, 92. Wow. Playing basketball at UNCG. Wow. And then, as you, you know, Cap J is the mixtape true original king of North Carolina, right? Oh, yeah. Off the rip. Okay, okay. Off the rip. All right. So, 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 you got, so you got put on to some gravy and red cafe back in the midnight. I didn't even know that, you know? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. I'm about to, as time keep going, I'm going I'm to I'm broadcast this story, bro, because really, I produced the first record for them for them guys. I'm sure they recorded it in New York, but I don't think they ever put nothing out. This Madface compilation, I think, was the first time they actually put something out, like with a record company. So actually, I produced Gravy and Red Cafe first song that was put out through a label. You know, I remember that compilation. I I know I still got the wax at the house, but I don't even think I realized that they were on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's called, the song's called Spit That. Wow. Yeah. I have to go back. I mean, they used to to come get in my car. We ride at McDonald's, go get something to eat in my car. 
all all this, you know what I mean? Like and them dudes right now, two thousand twenty three, you know, you know, they doing their thing. I know Red Cafe, he gotta be a millionaire. He still signed with Diddy, he got his own companies, real estate everywhere, and of course Gravy, he's an actor, he played Biggie. Right. Biggie Small movie. So you right. know. That's interesting, yeah. man. I'm glad you told us about that. I, that's something that that is that that slipped right on by me back then. Yeah. yeah. So, sure. so you've been you've been around in the days of analog, and you watch these things go digital. Now, when things went digital, that's kind of it got difficult for me because it's a big learning curve. We're learning how to work all this stuff. So. You going from the SP? Did you ever uh, get on the ASR or the the MPC? Yeah, I'm an MPC head now to this day. Still um, using the MPC? Yeah, yeah, still using it, man. You don't need to switch up. I mean, I, I'm learning Fruity Loops, and I played with the ASR ten a little bit, but I'm a type of person once I get stuck on something, and I know how to work it the way I want to work it. I'm ready to get to making a beat before my attention span get low. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm ready to get to it. You ADHD. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, so I don't have ADHD, but I feel like sometimes, you know, when you're making a beat and you're looking for samples and all that, that, that takes a lot of time to find that right sample. Mm-hmm. Chop it up the way you want, you know? So, um, but yeah, like, SP is the issue right now because everybody who's making beats right now, who fire, they, they talking about the old SPs now. They want that back because the way the drums hit hard. Hey, you know man, I, mean? I got one sent at the crib right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like, Don't tell nobody. Like, <laughs> and like it, Metro Boomin and all them, you know, the, the ones, 808, Bo, uh, Mafia and them, all them boys, them, them boys on that SP, they on them MPCs, 2000s. I mean, they still use all the other stuff, but it's been, I've been watching a lot of interviews and, a lot of them talking about yo SP and NPC. You know what my favorite? You know what my favorite is out of all of them though. What? I got ASRX Pro, and oh, yeah. that yeah. is my favorite machine out of all of them because it's like having a SP mm-hmm. on crack or on steroids. Yeah. Hmm. You know, you can put as much time in there. You can sample. You can damn near sample the entire song in that Joker. You yeah, do yeah. everything right inside the ASR. So that, that turned yeah. out to be my favorite machine. But right now it's in, in a little bit of disrepair. It needs some work. And, mm. you know, I can't buy a new one. Oh, that's the joint you were mm. talking to ski about. Right, right. I need to get that. I need to get some buttons fixed. Mm-hmm. On the end, I was using, um, it had a, a old school drive on it. I was using a SCSI drive. And... You know they kind of hard to find. If you're not, it's not like you can just USB that joint into a computer or something like that. So you know it's kind of hard to keep using the old stuff. So I bought that Novation. Um, what do you call that thing? You know that program with the with the beat machine to it. But I still haven't even I haven't gotten good on that thing yet. But the uh, machine, the machine. I got the machine. Yeah. I bought it years ago. I still can't even work it. Mm. See, that's the thing. I That's why I just stuck with the MPC because I was like, man, 
I want to go. I want to go ahead and make a beat, man. I don't want to take time out to learn how to work something else. Which I still regret that because it's good to be able to learn all machines. Because when you're in the room creating with other people, other producers, other studios, sometimes they, got, they ain't gonna have what you normally work on. Yeah, and it so makes great it easy. Producer to, needs to learn how to work everything. Makes it easier to share stuff too. Like that's that's where Ski thrives to me. That's one of his strongest uh, Ski beats. One of his strongest um, selling points is that he he works everything yeah no machine yeah. he can't get on so yeah. so you work your way up through all the machines all the classic machines you know we know you hit the gemini the dr rhythm the sp the mpc and but all that's back in the day so mm-hmm. we're gonna fast forward and tell me like you know we we know that you did your house engineering work been a dj and all that when did you decide to parlay this into your own thing? You know, like what, you know, what, what point did you say, Hey man, I've done all this producing and stuff. I need to put this stuff out myself. Yeah. Well, actually I started thinking about it when I opened up my own recording studio, I got a studio called exclusive studios here, downtown Greensboro. And we got four recording studios in here. So, um, I started, you know, some of the artists that that came in here recording, you know, of course they need a lot of guidance, they need some help, how to put their music out. I I was starting thinking I had to open up the studio. I I I might need to start a management company, a label or something, you know what I mean? And um, I was like signing a couple of artists and things weren't working out with them. They crying over working hard, they want to tell me how to do stuff and they have zero experience. And I'm like, bro, you know, I'm a crash trying to listen to you or right. trying to work with you. Cause y'all, y'all, it's you. Right. You don't want it. You don't right. want it, man. Hmm. Come in here freestyling. Right. Don't even have their songs cool. together. Yeah. Wasting my time. You ain't here damn doing bubble gum this all night. I ain't got time for that, bro. Are but you I still, still doing way. Yeah, I still yeah, I, I still found a way to make it happen. But every time we would get to the business and I need them to be here for an interview or this radio station or all this and the that and the third, they can't get there, the baby mama tripping, my girl tripping. I'm like, man, I'm busting my ass, shooting videos, putting them out, you know, sharing my brand with their brand and they ain't taking it serious. So I was like, you know what? I started looking at damn DJ Khaled. Said, you know what, bro? And I looked at drama. I'm like, man, I can do the same as they do. I already got all the connections. I got records that I produce for other people that I can use them to get on my record. I could be the DJ Khaled of North Carolina. Hmm, word. You know? Now, so, now, what you just described, do you think that's one of the things that has hindered North Carolina from getting, quote, unquote, on? Work ethic. What you mean? Work ethic. I ended them as far as what direction? Just just straight up work ethic. Like, um, you, you know, you're not the first person that's been on this podcast talking about how hard it is to get dudes to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah. the the reason why I asked that question, um, it, tell you a little bit about myself because I'm into film. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't done almost anything in music except being a fan of North Carolina hip hop, 
And mm-hmm. in film, I, I can say that it's similar to what you guys described as some of the limitations for music, which is mm-hmm. having the artist engaged in their own career, just as right. I am engaged in their career. And I mean, because uh, me and another filmmaker had this conversation a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about it's, it's hard to find talent to produce the work that we want to have produced. Even if you pay them, sometimes they don't show up. They come with all these excuses and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very critical of North Carolina and some of the aspects because it, so much talent is here. Like, and I always ask people, and Cal J notices, I always ask people, like, what do you think is one of the limitations or one of the obstacles that's stopping North Carolina from being where it needs to be? And outside of, because the first artist that I seen that North Carolina stood behind was the baby. But there's so right. much more talent in North Carolina than just the baby. Why hasn't North Carolina rose, rose to the levels that the baby did before the baby or even after the baby or J. Cole? Yeah. Well, one thing about me, I I look at it a little different because I really feel like North Carolina been on. It's just the game is so been so up top is or west coast is that North Carolina didn't have its proper shine with in the industry, even though we got some of the best artists come out of North Carolina. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um it's in the music business. It's just, I think that's just how the music business is, but people got to understand that hip-hop is just 50 years old. So it's just like marinating chicken. You got to let this marinate for a couple of years, a couple of decades, because each state and each part of the country is going to get their shine. Yeah. You got other people really controlling the industry. So they can control what part of the state or the country they want to shine on, depending on who they want to sign, mm-hmm. put that spotlight on. You know what I mean? So... Um, due to the fact we ain't got a lot of executives just hanging out out here, you know. But they come um, here to party. Yeah, they, they come, come here to party. to vacation. And before CIAA yeah. left, they came here yeah. for that purpose. And but, they say yeah. that hip-hop is 50 years old because I saw BET doing that too. But since I've been doing this podcast with uh, Cap J, I found out hip-hop is actually older than 50 years old. Uh, we mm. talked to Tony Crush, one of the Cold Crush brothers, who, the originator of the Cold Crush brothers, and we looked at the movie Wild Style. And I said mm. to Cal J, we we did our movie night, and that reminds me, we got to get back to our movie night. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so th- we were looking at Wild Style, and Wild Style came out in 83. They recorded in like 81, 82, and right. dropped it. Right, like and, 83. And hip hop was so polished at the time that this movie came out. And I, I said to him, I said, bro, like they've been doing hip hop for a long time before this movie came. And even talking to Tony Crush, uh, the Cold Crush brothers signed their record deal in 72, maybe. No, no, it was, mm-hmm. it was the late seventies when they, the late seventies, uh-huh. but they had been in the park doing hip hop for so much time before that. And you put me on to, uh, what's your boy name from Durham? Fat, fat back, fat, here come the judge, Pig Meat Markham. Pig Meat Markham. I'll never forget that name. This song name. from the late 60s, and dudes just straight up rapping on it. You ever heard mm-hmm. that joint, Van X? Mm-hmm. Durham, North Carolina. Listen to Here Come the Judge by Pig Meat Markham. 
Yes. Okay. Look that up. Pigby Martin. I mean, okay. and he is killing that. He, 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 he. Boy, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, yeah, he's straight up rapping. Yeah. So, yeah. you oh, know, wow. what Cat's doing, you know, it's not, didn't just start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah I always say, always. Um, my my philosophy has always been: our problem here is that we get so much influences from all over the place. Like you know, we get the go go, we get the house, we get the reggae, we get the dirty south, we get the New York, we get the West Coast, we get everything here, and it keeps all the all that musical influence keeps North Carolina from having its own definable sound. Right. That's why our artists go out and they, you know, we might have dudes that become national successes, but they don't necessarily, it's hard to have homegrown support because we don't have our own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right. go, go is D.C. Baltimore Club is, is Baltimore. New York yeah. got their hip-hop. Right. New yeah. Jersey got their house music and their club joints that they rock to. Um, New Orleans got their sound, that bounce music. Right. Atlanta did it one way. Miami did it another way. We got yeah. all of that poured into mm-hmm. us. So you subject to get anything from any artist in North Carolina. And right. it's not necessarily going to be a North Carolina thing. It could be anything. Right. And yeah, I think right. the, the first art, um, first guest we had on the podcast who actually had a North Carolina cultivated sound was Waleed Coyote. Yeah, Waleed, um, yeah, messing around with Colonel Loud and all them, that, that run he had, that I think they found a sound for North Carolina. Those old mm-hmm. soulful samples. And Vinny, yeah. you know who uh, Waleed Coyote gave credit to for being able to cultivate the sound that they putting out now. Take one Ooh. guess of who he gave credit to. Uh, Fanatic? Cap J. Oh, what? I was me, surprised that you were. Let me tell you something, bro. Oh, wow. So when Cap J was putting out his hip-hop um, collection of uh, mixtapes, I was a youngin. I was a jit. <laughs> And mm. this dude impacted my life because of how he made these sounds come together. And mm-hmm. later on, you had somebody like P. Battis who came out with Home of the Liquor House. And no, it gave North Carolina a sound that no nobody else can duplicate that sound that comes from the Home of the Liquor House. I, I dib and dab with a little bit of everything. I like West Coast, Tupac, uh, and then I might be over here uh, sampling something that might sound East Coast, you know. So it's, and I was a DJ, so I just wanted to make club records that some people can bounce to. And I know I, I, I could play if I if I ever get my songs played in the club. Mm-hmm. And that's that North so, Carolina thing right, right there. Right. See? Yeah. Because yeah. just everything, everything passes through here. We listen right. to everybody here. Yeah. And being off of 85, I could just imagine the the stuff that you were exposed to. We were off of 95, and you were off 85. And some people say 85 is the drug trafficking <laughs> capital of the world. <laughs> so, you know, and I know what 95 did to us and our sound. So, I mean, that's that's crazy how North Carolina is a melting pot and a belt yeah. between the uh, north uh, and the south and the west. Yeah, I, I consider North Carolina a gumbo of hip hop. Mm-hmm. We we everything. We Without all okra, all, all, okra. The, all the sides of the country all mixed together. Right, right. You know what I mean? Being here is like being in Cali without being in Cali. I tell you, mm-hmm. I tell you who got a good sound. That I think is 
is pretty North Carolina. What's that? What's that dude from down in Fayetteville area? Was his name Moray? Moray. Yeah. Hey man, as soon as I saw that video, me too. Without man. knowing one thing <laughs> about this cat, I looked right at that video. I said, "Yeah, wait a minute." That dude look like he from North Carolina. Absolutely. <laughs> Without even yeah. knowing. And then I hear and then I heard his music. I'm like, you know what? This is not like yes. anything else really that's out there. Right. Right. And that but but you know, that's another thing about North Carolina. Every place you go is, is a little bit different than the last place. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's obviously the sound of Fayetteville. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, that's a cat that that definitely has a sound, man. And yeah. That's that's part. Moray ain't, ain't from North Carolina, from what I heard. He ain't from North Carolina. He just moved to Fayetteville right really? before his career started popping. Oh, really? Yeah, I forgot wow. where they say he's from, but I want to say somewhere like Ohio, or, you know, somewhere up in that area. Well, really that good that he well, from North Carolina because a North. An, enough North Carolina artists and producers and stuff rep Atlanta that it's about time that yeah. somebody came here to rep it. B.O.B. was born in Winston-Salem. Absolutely. Jeezy yeah. was born in North Carolina. Jermaine Dupree was yeah. born in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of cats yeah. were born here, you know. Right. But, but you know, B.O.B. Yeah. spent a, a nice amount of time here. But, you know, cats right. get down to Atlanta and that's, that's you know. That's where they yeah. rep. That's offset. what that's what pays goes. the bill. Hey, yeah. offset. Yes. That's the hometown yeah. right there. Yeah, man. Yeah. But me, I mean, I wasn't born in North Carolina. I was born in Detroit. Right. Um, and, you know, but so, hey, really to me, it's like right, right, like uh Raekwon, I mean, uh Rakim said it ain't where you're from, it's where you at. Where you at? When it comes to them getting the job done, bro. Yes, right. indeed. So so we're gonna fast forward a little bit. I want you to explain. Like you can even help me out with this because I done a lot of productions too, but I never got like. How do you go about getting features? Like how does that work? I, I you know this is something that that you be teaching me and everybody else too. Mm-hmm. So you got you got a beat, you got an idea for a song. Like how do you get? Fable or Project Pat or, you know, DJ Drama involved. Explain this to us. Yeah, for me, I got into it like that. You know, like I said, I was a DJ. And then from when I used to DJ parties, I started thinking like, man, I started throwing parties in Burlington. And I used to DJ my parties and get one of my homeboys to take the money up. Was that you that was on the news for throwing a party during the pandemic in Burlington? No, no, hell no. <laughs> you, you remember what I'm talking about, though, right? No, I haven't even heard. Yeah, I ain't heard about that. Oh, but it got charged for it. He had like over oh. 500 people in one spot for a party during the pandemic. But that ain't the only thing oh, wow. that was going on in Burlington during the pandemic. They had the oh, racetrack yeah. open and everything. You know. Oh, wow. <laughs> you remember? They had to shut the racetrack down. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Burlington yeah. said, what pandemic? What pandemic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, from there, I started, you know, throwing my parties and doing that and I said you know what it's just start getting crazy packed and jumping and I'm like behind the turntables I'm trying to go lead the turntables and go break up a, a fight that might happen I need to go having something at the door after a while I just started becoming like I couldn't even focus on rocking the club like I want to so I was like man fuck the DJing thing or DJing for somebody else making two or three hundred dollars or one fifty a night 
I'm going to throw the party and make two or 3000 a night mm. and pay the DJ what he want to get paid. You know what I mean? Right. But from there, I started booking artists, you know, celebrities to come to Burlington. And when I would leave the club or um, book them, I would set up studio time so we can go in the studio. Oh, nice. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that Detroit in you, huh? Yeah, you know, trick, that's trick. my that, Yeah, that's that Diddy <laughs> shit. You know, and um, I was like, you know, I, I always had my beats and I would get people to get features from them and shit like that. But I, my main goal was get them on my beats, let them check me out so I can get some placements on some people's albums and shit. Mm. So, I mean, I already know most artists come in town, they want to do a show and they want to get their feature money mm-hmm. as well. You know what I mean? So I'm like, shit, if I get a feature from every artist that I bring or that's in the city or that's at the Greensboro Coliseum, I'm coming in there with beats. I'm with the with some of the hottest rappers in the city that would want to buy features and I got the beat. Right. So, you know what I mean? Um, I would build relationships that way with them. So, so tell know? me this. How much in general, like, like somebody wanting to do this, how much does somebody expect to pay for a feature? And give us like a low number and a high number. I mean, in, in today's market, it depends on what, what, what what time you catch the what what part of time you catch the artists in their career? You right. got some new artists who just getting hot. You know, some of them when they come in town, it might be two bands, three bands, five hundred. You'd be surprised. I can tell you some artists that I booked that came and did a feature for two fifty, <laughs> and they were some of the hottest guys in the street hmm. at that time. It's just all about how you negotiate to get the deal and how y'all vibe. You know what I mean? Right. So. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know people who got features from Lil Baby before he popped right when he came out, and they made you pay the stack, you know what I mean? Just just catch so, yeah. me at the right time, and they if they are already there, then it's a whole lot easier yeah. than... Oh, yeah. But what if you got to reach out? Now, you you probably really going to pay out the yin game if you got to reach out. Yeah, you're going to reach out. You're going to spend 20, 30 bands. Like somebody like Lil Boosie, he want 30 bands. Right. 20 to 25 if he like you. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So if you catch them in the area while y'all just chilling, then slide me a little something and we get it popping. No, nah, that's the slide me something number right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. No games. Nah, he but then no at game. the same time, like I said, sometimes you catch them in a good mood and if they like you, sometimes they might do it. Take an extra five off, you know? Right, right. It depends, you know? I mean, I remember one time I had booked Rainy Rucci for an event out in the Charlotte area, and I had everything set up for her to come and do a feature for me for a stack, you know? She hot as hell right now. Then she used to be in the Greensboro area sometimes? Strip. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's from South Carolina. So it ain't far from Charlotte, you know what I mean? Right. She's out here all the time, you know, but she was, you know, just getting bubbling real hot. You know, and she said normally she don't do that, but since I'm the promoter and book, you know, want to do a book for a, a joint, you know, a feature, she showed me some love. Word. Yeah, somebody like that. You know, even with Nicki Minaj, when she used to be out here with Fendi, you know, she, that, that stack changes things. When you got that stack, you know, eight, nine hundred sound good, but when you say a stack, Okay, well, look, they're looking at you. You know, they they thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they right there and everything ready to go. It you know, yeah, it's only a few yeah. minutes work. Yeah, but I say the average number if you catch them on the slide, slide, you be like I got a thousand and be like, yo, just give me eight bars. You know, they like, yeah, I knocked that out in fifteen twenty minutes. If I like the beat, and it's a wrap. Yeah, that's what's up. See, a lot of people don't know that. 
They you don't know, know that. You're know. informing the people right now, but you gotta gotta yeah. catch them when they when they in town or in the area, yeah. and they got to mess with you. Hey, yeah. You can't you got, just be no rando. Yeah, you gotta just the way you approach them. A lot of people I ain't known like that. It was just our business relationship that we got to know each other. But I guess the way I negotiate the deal and talk to them, I mean, they respect it. You know, it's all how the approach you come. You in there drunk, slobbering, high off the pills, and talking to them, spitting all in their face. Nah, and they going man, gone, bro. Let me get my back in. I'm out of here. You know right. what I mean? Right. But if you step to them like a business person, as they like to be retreat, treated the right way, and you know, let them know they're gonna be in a comfortable environment, come knock it out real quick, and you can leave. That'd be a lot. The body artists don't like coming to those studios when they're in town, because the environment be fucked up. Be a thousand niggas in the studio, hey. everybody got guns and blowing, crazy acting. Like, no, bro, come on in here, get your feature done, get them out the way. And the next time they come in town, they might pick up your phone by asking your email. Right. And that's how you build relationships in the business. Relationship is the key to success. How was your relationship with Fabo? Man, Fabo relationship was like, I, I, great. I respect Fabo. He showed me love every time I call him, he pick up. You know, if he don't pick up, he hit me back, take me back. You know what I'm saying? And I started building a relationship with him by booking him from shows. You know what I mean? Booking him for my parties and concerts to come out here and do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then one day I was like uh, booking for a show when I started thinking about um, putting my own records out. I already had a beat for him that I've been working on. I might have had this beat for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I made it for him because I liked it, like his voice. And I like, you know, I try the club up, you know. So I, I got to get him on it. That's how that uh, turnaround song I got with him out came about. Straight Pacific <laughs> Poppy. <laughs> Spread it open. Let me see it. <laughs> hey, yeah. now, now, Project Pat. That's one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite Southern artists of all time. Man, we listen to Act of Food. Man, that joint is popping for real. Appreciate it, Appreciate yes, it. sir, man. That that joint is fire, man. How you how you um running the Project Pat? How you get that thing popping right there? Uh, same way, booked him for a show, and um, I was setting up some stuff for him to do a feature with some of the artists I was working with. Again, them niggas were BS and bull jive. I'm like, bro, I got Project Pat right here, bro. What are you? What are we gonna do? What you gonna do? Right, the beat. Mm-hmm. They bull jive, bro. You know. So I was like, you know what, man? Let me do it. Let me do it myself. And we went to the studio. Pat Pat uh, came in the studio. I put the beat on, and he said, "Yo, Van." Can you go get me some, a case of water? I said, a case of water? Yeah, man. You know, it's in the contract, man. I need me a case of water, man. <laughs> I said, all right, man. I'm going to run to the store, grab the water real quick. I thought the engineer kid threw the beat up. And by the time I got back to the studio, he was just about to walk out the booth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nice. So I had already gave him the script for the how the song go. And uh, he heard that. And by the time I went to the store and come back, man, he in there at the foodio with the tutio going crazy. I'm like, wow. Yeah, he killed it. He killed it. He killed it. He yeah, killed it. it. I ain't, bro, he killed it. This record going to be crazy. When, when everybody really catch on to this record, right? this record going to go crazy. The hook is crazy. It's choppy. It ain't on the cussing, crazy cussing on it. The girls can bounce off of it. The kids can go hard, you know. Um, that's the way I feel about it, but it's it's like Pat 
came out the booth and he was like, oh, he didn't even know I made the beat. So me and him was talking and listening to the record. He's like, yo, who made that beat? I said, me. He was like, grinning his face. So I was like, woo, wee. Yeah. You know, he, I could tell he wanted to be like, boy, you killed that beat, but he kept it cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? I was like, wow. You know, it was just, I, everybody verse on that record was recorded at different times, bro. You know what I mean? Um, Actually, Princess got on the, I mean, yeah, she got on the song first. Oh, word. And, uh, yeah, she got on the song first. I booked up for an event, brought her to the studio, and I played, and she got on it. And um, Remind the people who Princess is. Princess is uh, the girl from Crime Mob. Crime Mob. Who was the other one? Diamond Prince, or something? Diamond. Diamond, Diamond is a little skinny one, uh, you know, petite one. Uh, but uh, she's the light-skinned one, and Princess is the brown-skinned one. Yeah, more, more gangster booze kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yep. <laughs> she came in the studio and she heard the beat. She's like, "Woo, okay." She just instantly started writing to the beat and didn't take her long, long at all. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Hey, but that's what's up, man. That's what's yep. up. And then so, DJ Drama, um, he was in town for a show at the Coliseum, mm. and um, we negotiated him to, you know, swing by the studio, and he, you know. We talked business, and he was like feeling the vibe, and you know he laid his part. Yeah, well, that's what's up, man. Hey, I, I just want to say, man. Hey, it's been it's been nice watching you progress. You know what I mean? Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because we, you know, we 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 we've been doing this for a long time, so I like I like watching people go from here to there. And, um, you know, we hope this thing continues to work out for you, bro. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yep. So what's, so, so what's next? I mean, like right now, for, for those of you that don't know, I work for media base and, um, <clears throat> media base is a, a, basically a music tracking service. So when you wonder how do people know how many spins their songs getting on radio, you know, I help find that out. And so I, I've seen, I see how the songs grow, like. So when when Van X releases a song, you know, I, I talked to him. He's like, Cap, got a new song. Put it in the system. And from that point on, it's being tracked. So we know where, you know, you could tell where it's being played all over the country. And that's another thing people don't know, too. Like, you know, once you get your music out there, you got to figure out where is it going. Like back in the day, sound scan was a big deal because you want to know, how many copies you sold? SoundScan was a service that told you that. And MediaBase yeah. and BDS were services that tell you how many spins you get on radio. So I've been watching, you know, I've been watching your music grow. Yeah, it's just, just nice to see this thing spreading. So mm-hmm. but, but you you keep right on doing this thing, and it's going to turn into something. Everybody's starting you, somewhere. So so oh, yeah. what's so what's next? What should we be looking for? Like right now, you got Act the Fool, Turn Around. Tell us, tell us what you got out, and tell us what you plan on doing next. My my neck, my my other record that dropped this just dropped is called Married to the Money, and it's an R and B song. And I really mm-hmm. feel like this record is going to be more likely be the one, bro, because. Is R and B with a hip hop feel, and um, um, right now it's on all. It's on a lot of stations. All the DJs is giving me um, good feedback on the mix shows, and they just started playing it. Really, just started playing it. You know, 
at the top of the new year. Who's uh, who's on that one? And the thing about this record, is I don't have no. I got some artists. I wrote and produced this record. I I got artists that recorded at my studio. Two artists on the name uh, T Rice and uh, Lil Kilo. Okay. Uh, I got them on this record. They're from Burlington. No, nah, they um, they from just around here, Greensboro, I believe. But yeah, I kind of. Um, I kind of brought them in at different times in the studio off the beat I made and, you know, told them the direction of the record and how I wanted to sound. And, and you know, we, we put it together. And it's actually been get, getting good response off the radio because it's just like, you know, that vibe, that radio vibe. You know what I mean? That midday 12 o'clock drive where you got your kids in the car. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, type vibe, but it's still good, sexy, a sexy record. You know what I mean? And they got an old school vibe to it with the bass line. You know, mm-hmm. so but yeah, that, that record right now, that's that's the one we got out. So really I, I put I got three records out the three records out this on this this spinning on radio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's very rare for 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 any indie artist. You know what I'm saying? I think most people just focus on one record at a time, but I was like Hmm. Okay, the Fable record, strip club record, but I started studying how radio plays stuff. I'm like, yo, bro, I need some R and B. because Drake really he playing on white stations, black stations everywhere. It's because it's that R and B vibe. You know what I mean? That go that's really killing it. Right. Right. So I was like, you know, that's that's the way to go in a way if you want to get on radio the right way. You know what I mean? The, the daytime areas, you know, the morning areas, you know what I mean? Because radio change at the nighttime. That's when all the mix shows be on, you know what I mean? And, you know, stuff like that. You know, you know, Cap, you DJ for one of, you know, you yeah. might have a 20 minute break every now and then with mix shows, but majority, a lot of the mix shows are late night, Friday, Saturday nights, you know what I mean? But, but tell me this, as somebody who's, who's releasing music, how important is radio? How important is streaming? I mean, the way I look at it, just seeing it, bro, radio make you a star. You know, streaming, you don't have up against all the big greats. You know what I mean? Right. You figure out a way to get your record on the radio, get DJs breaking in it. You can start creating demand, getting booked for shows and getting features, and then you can start making a living off this shit. If you got your business structured the right way, so in your world, radio is still important. I think so. You know, right on. Right on. I don't care what nobody says. Streaming, because streaming, you ain't really making no money off this shit like that. You know, they giving you little pennies, bro, off Word. the streaming. You know, so and if you a new up and coming artist, you know what I'm saying, that take time to build the streaming numbers up. And with the radio market, you can figure out where you popping and go there. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got to roll easier. the dice. Yeah, you know, you gotta, you know, it ain't that easy to get on radio, bro. You really got to be a networking, a social butterfly, and people got to like you. You know what I mean? Because they got too many records to play within an hour or two hours. They got to play the hardest records in the world. Now, got to keep their job. You know what I mean? They got to keep the fans happy. Now, you you know me back in the day when I was on, I never charged nobody money to play their songs. But now oh, wow. that you're trying to, I never, never ask nobody for money. You can ask God Supreme to this day. He never gave mm. me, like, I never said, yo, man, I'll play it if you give me this. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Nah, I just yeah. like, man, just make sure you got on wax and make sure it's because you know that's one thing about God Supreme. He was always releasing something. He he put out like it would bring you actual wax. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he knew the mark. He knew how to move. Yeah, he come, yeah, he knew how to DJ. move. So yeah. now that you're doing this as you know, basically executive of your own record label, are are people asking you for money? I mean, certain DJs they wanted the ones who you know, feel like they got a certain leverage, you know, Who? and I respect it, you know, sometimes, <laughs> Who? you know, and sometimes I'll be like, you know, like, come on, bro, like, show some, let me, sh- show me some love, listen to the record, if you like it, you know, show me some love, now, I'm still gonna tip you, you know what I'm saying, if it need to be, but me, just learning the business, and starting to learn the business as I grow, I really start learning that sometimes the money don't build the right relationship sometimes, I, if mm-hmm. I find a DJ who really liked the record or like what you're doing and want to support it and see the vision, I would really spend money with them and they're the ones who don't even want no money. Right. That's because what I always I tell people. If if you, like, once you pay somebody to play your record or as a DJ, once you take money to play a record, then you're going to take whatever they give you. But mm-hmm. if you make them make a record that you like, then it helps you and the artist. Yeah. But the thing about that, it's a lot of these records that still ain't getting no play that DJs like, I feel like. But sometimes it's just, you know, they got a certain amount of records they got to play. But they, so, Their hands are way more tired than they were when I was on the radio. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have the restrictions, as many restrictions as a lot of DJs do today. And the, yeah. more, the more corporate the game has become, the more your hands are tied. Uh, yeah, you know, back in you know coming into radio in '96, it was around that time that uh, the FCC loosened restrictions. There was a time when one company couldn't own more than a certain number of radio stations, mm. so there wasn't a chance for like a, a radio Monopoly. one or right yeah. or Clear Channel. I, I worked for yeah. iHeart, which used to be Clear Channel. And when I started working for Media Base, they owned 600 radio stations. Before the FCC loosened those, loosened those restrictions, one company couldn't even have that many stations. So they, oh, wow. it wasn't it wasn't corporate like it is now. Like yeah. if, if one entity owns a lot of stations, then they can program all the stations under one umbrella. But, and then mm-hmm. allow the monopoly. Right, but now yep. back in the but back in the day, you had regional. Um, you know, radio is kind of regional. Like one company might own ten stations in one market or or one yeah. part of the country, and they're not. They don't really have their hands in everything. And right. so, as as time passed, though, now it's pretty much it's either iHeart or it's Radio One. Mm-hmm. For the most part, you still have um other like Sinclair and and and. You know, there there are other radio station ownership entities out there, but the big mm-hmm. dogs are Radio One and Our Heart, mm-hmm. and right. mostly everybody works for one or the other, mm-hmm. and it makes it really, really hard to break because now they're not answering to somebody who's local anymore. Yeah, you know, everybody's answering to corporate now, so. Yeah. So yeah, they a lot of dudes got their hands tied. It's it's getting much harder to break in. Yeah, real hard. Yeah. Yep. Real hard. 
of building the right relationships and networking, you know what I mean, is the key because, I mean, don't get it twisted. I still pay DJ. I still don't mind paying a DJ. First and foremost, I'm a DJ and I respect the brand. And I I pay the money not to get you to play the record. I play the, I, I, I pay the DJ the money because I respect your brand. Out of, out of respect. Um, but that, yeah. but that's that's the difference in legal and illegal, right? Like you know, right? Hey, that's say, why I was like who? Right? Nah, nah. You can't you can't ask who, but <laughs> but when but when you you know if a DJ said, hey, give me this money and I'll play your record, right? That's still illegal, yeah. but right. I like this record. I'm gonna play it, man. I'm gonna break yeah. bread with you. Yeah. That that blurs the lines a little bit. That's different. That's yeah. different. That's love. Yeah, yeah. So, that's what I like. I so like, bro, lunch on me today, bro. Appreciate you. Right, right. You know and that's you know I, you can they can eat all day. Yeah, and nobody's gonna mm-hmm. give me any headache about that. But it's so many DJs. I was telling, I was thinking the other day, man. Like I deal with a lot of DJs. I'm building relationships with DJs like crazy. But when you think about it, if you're trying to get like fifty. DJs to play your record. Man, I don't give a damn if you're giving a nigga $50 or taking him out to lunch every for 50 DJs. That shit'll add up, bro. Oh, yeah. It's a big you bag. You know what I mean? If you it's really out bag. here working these records the right way. So I'm like... That's why know, it's hard it. for independent artists to, to, to break through in uh-huh. that radio game. You gotta... That's why you gotta do so much homework ahead of time, too. You gotta do all this legwork because for an independent song to end up on multiple stations or 50 DJs playing it's not gonna like you know you're not gonna be able to 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 feed that many people so you just right. gotta make this song gotta be a real hit and they have yeah. to play it because it's beneficial for them yeah you know it's like this song so high I can't not play it and that's that's what you're looking for you want one of them joints and when you get it you're gonna know so keep on doing that work man one of these joints going, you know, keep around throwing stuff at the wall. Something going to stick, and it's going to be something major. Well, Van X, we did our time today, man, and this has been extremely informative. I'm glad you had a chance to come on, man. Appreciate you stopping by by the Capital City Podcast. Yes, sir, Capital City. I appreciate it, man. Wish y'all the best success as well. You know. Hey, we wish the same for you. Spread the word. Yep, spread the word, and we're going to tell everybody, too. Ladies and gentlemen, super producer Van X, spelling is important. You know, we we calling you Van X. If you don't know how to spell Van X, we might never find you out here in this digital age. So so break it down. Cal talk about yourself. He couldn't spell your name at first. (laughs) No, no, I had had you in my phone for years and years. It's V-A-N-N space X. (laughs) That's, that's, yo, and that, that that's how my name was, really. It was like that. The reason uh, I changed it to Van X <laughs> is because with the E in it and took the X out is because on the 8-Ball Living Legend album that me and Devour produced the records, they spelled my name wrong mm. on the credits. They, they, they spelled it V-A-N-E-X. Mm. So you just ran with that, it. And yeah, and Puff yeah, like Van X. Shout out Devour you know. too. Yeah, you know. So from what there on, was I that did, again? It was the Cadillac Pimpin' and Shot Off record on the Living Legend album on, with Bad Boy and Universal with Eight Ball and MJG. I know what you're talking about. That's why I wanted you to say it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. This man, so been me, around. You know, me and Devour do two tracks on that album. The album was 
damn near platinum now. Mm-hmm. He produced a second single called um, Cadillac Pimpin'. It was, the, it was on 106 and Park. It was, I mean, it was the second single off the, off that album. Right, right, right behind the uh, Little John them, uh, first single. The act of, um, I mean, that uh, we don't want no drama. I, 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 I can't think of the name of the song, but this, this crazy record. I just put that in my mix uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. don't want drama. A Y M J G. Right. The throwback yeah. mix I did. That's crazy. Well, that's yeah. what's up, man. This man's been around, people. Pay attention. Right. This ain't the last you're going to hear from Van X. Hey, look, we signing right, out, folks. It's Capital City Podcast. I'm your host, Capital J, alongside my main man. D.L. Glass. And that's what it is. You can catch this show anywhere you get your podcast.